turn, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 2. And uh, I wanted to start Hebrews in December because I figure, why don't we look at God's best? And Jesus is his best. There's nothing better. And if he is the best, why go back? What's there to go back to once you've had the best? And we want to come to the first warning in the book. And that is uh, chapter 2, 1 through 4, that is really summarizing what he said. What did he say in chapter 1? Here's the big idea. God has spoken to us in these days in a son. He spoke in the past through prophets. But in these latter days, these days, he has chosen to speak to the human race through a son. Now, he describes the son in chapter 1. There's no commands. There's no warnings. He just starts describing this Christ. What does he say about him? He's the radiance of God's glory. He's in the exact essence of God. He has the word of power that upholds the universe. He purified sins. He's superior to angels. He's called the Son of God. In verse 6, he's the firstborn or the preeminent one of everything God has. Angels are told to worship him because he's called God. He is called God in verse 8. He is, goes on to verse 10. He laid the foundation of the earth. He runs the universe. They will perish. He will last for he is eternal. This is the Son. This is the Son. This is the Son. And now he comes to a warning section, the first of five in the book. And listen to what he says. Therefore, and a rule of Bible interpretation, when you see therefore, you should ask what? What's it there for? Therefore, because of this glorious Christ, this spoken word, this final word from God to us, we ought to pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. The old King James, some of them said, lest it slip from us. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Four dangers, four dangers he warns us of, and they're all connected with our salvation. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? And let me address four dangers that he deals with in this passage. The first danger is the danger of not listening to what God has said in Christ. The first danger is not listening. Have you heard God talk to us in the Son? Pay attention is the word. It's an interesting nautical term. It was used of mooring a vessel 
That is anchoring it so it wouldn't drift. You see, life is not lived on a lake. It's lived on a moving, tumultuous ocean or living on a rapid flowing river. Life is not life on a placid, flat, even bodied of water that has no current. No, we live amidst the current. And he says, pay attention, moor yourself, anchor yourself in this word from God. When I grew up, ADD meant you made more money. It was a part of mathematics. Today, it's a part of psychology. Do you have ADD? The whole race was born with ADD, attention deficit disorder. We don't pay attention to anything we don't want to hear, and especially when it comes to God. How well do you pay attention when God talks? Does he have your attention? Or will it take cancer? Will it take death? Will it take pain? C.S. Lewis says they'll never listen until God brings enough pain to make them listen. For he said pain is God's megaphone to talk to a deaf world. It's amazing how all children have ADD. Empty the trash, ADD. Do you want to go out and play ball? Immediate attention. You got it. Wait, just a moment. You didn't hear. Attention deficit disorder. What's going on here? Attention deficit. Are you listening to what God is saying through this vehicle? And that's what he's warning them. Please hear what God has to say through this man, Christ Jesus. Oh, you think this is just a, a nice little quirky ADD? Chapter 3, he said, today, if you will hear his voice. Can God talk and you not listen? Absolutely. And what is the human race doing? Walking through this world with their fingers in their ears. I can't hear a thing you're saying. I don't get it. I don't want to get it. Don't tell me about God. Don't tell me about salvation. Don't tell me about judgment. That hellfire brimstone stuff went out with, you know, the ark. I don't buy that. Wait, we don't determine what God has to say. We must determine whether we will listen to what he said. How much time did you spend listening to God last week? The only way he's talking to us today is through this book and his spirit, making it real. And what does he say? The natural man can't understand it anyway, so I can understand him not reading the Bible. But what about us who claim to know this God and say, God talks to me? Does God talk to us? And there's some folks that say, well, I'm not going into all that mystical language. Well, I beg to differ with you. It's a present tense in the Greek. I've looked at it. He is talking today. God is talking today. And he's talking through a son. And he's talking through a spirit-inspired, breathed-out book. He is talking through the work of the convicting work of the spirit. Have you heard what he has to say? Our danger is we don't listen. We don't listen to that voice. We're listening to all kinds of other. You know what? Everybody is listening to something. What are you listening to? 
You know, when I study, I get all kinds of CDs. And if I don't like the CDs, I go to Pandora and I listen to all that. Because I like to, when I'm typing, whatever, I like to hear different kinds of music. Guess what? There's some days I said, I'm not in any mood to listen to that. I'm not in any mood to listen to that. I'm not in any mood. And I find the kind of music I want to listen to to fit the mood I'm in. And I find that with people. We are always selecting what we're willing to listen to. And God is saying, I'm speaking to the human race and God the Son. Look at this Christmas season. Uh, let's see. Uh, what's out there? We've been listening for Christmas music for about five weeks. My wife loves it. It's driving me batty. I'll be home for Christmas. Hey, I've been home ever since we got married. <laughs> what, what do I need? I'll be home for Christmas. I'm not in World War II, but her dad was. It reminds you of her mom and dad. And I said, can't we get some sacred music? This reminds me of my mom and dad. I love Rudolph. Rudolph. Okay. How about Oh Holy Night? Well, Oh Holy Night is when Rudolph comes. You talk about not wanting to hear the message in our culture. Oh, it's Santa. This, we would rather believe myth. We'd rather invent stories. We'd rather invent fiction than to ever just know and listen to the story. The danger is, the danger is refusing to listen. Then he says the second danger there, uh, really, uh, he warns him of the danger of drifting. And this is a graphic word picture here when he says, lest we drift from it. Drift from the word, from the message God has said. Our second danger is drifting. And I looked up this word. What an interesting word. It, it was used of losing a ring on your finger. The word literally meant to a, just the word flow. It just meant to flow. And so it meant a river just flowing past you. But it had other usages. It was used of a finger and a ring just slipping off. It's kind of an indirect way that they, the drifting had this idea of just slipping. It was actually used of food crumbs falling down like in a crack or something that you just, it slipped away. It, it, it got away from you. Uh, the nautical connection is it was used of a drifting ship a ship that uh, was not anchored, and it began to drift. And, of course, if you're on just a lake and you don't have an anchor, and uh, who, who's bothered as a hole on the lake? There's no currents. The wind might get you. But when you have a moving body of water, you're in danger if you don't deal with the tide, the wind, the current, this bay out here. I was a boy on crutches until about third grade. I met some men yesterday uh, from my childhood in Harborgate. They said, it's the first time we've ever seen you when you weren't on crutches. So I hadn't seen the guy over 60 years. But even on crutches and braces, I used to get on rafts down by the old Ford plant. South Richmond, way back there, out there Point Richmond, kind of. I'd get out there, get on rafts, 
My brother could navigate, but let me tell you, they had all these canals that came in that took all the drainage from Richmond, and you go around this one bend, you start getting into the bay, and guess what? When you get in that bay, you better have some savvy or that current's going to take you out. It's real scary, and I've been on a raft when the current started going out, and I'm on crutches. I've got braces. I was a good anchor man. Push me off. Yeah, I was the anchor man, all right. So if I fell off, I'd drown automatically. The tide had come up, but then when that current was going out, it was exciting as kids. We knew at a certain point you got to jump. You got to jump. And if you're going to save your raft, you better have a rope tied to it, or that's it, because that, that golden gate is waiting for you. And seven year old boys, you ain't navigating the bay's current. And I got to get home without being wet, because I get a spanking for falling in. That's my reward for being saved. You get a spanking. Because <laughs> we're always playing in that bay. But let me say, current is nothing to mess with. My brother Paul and an uncle were out in Carquina Straits. Did you know Carquina Straits has rivers emptying down through those straits? And when that river's coming and that tide's going out, you don't want your motor to go out like it did on my brother Paul's boat. Guess who's in charge? Not you, the current. And he's saying here, don't drift past this message. Anchor yourself in Christ. Moor yourself in this voice. Moor yourself in Christ. Don't just drift on by. Let the truth of it slip you by. And the next thing you say, we missed safe harbor. We missed the haven of rest. We missed, we missed, we missed. Now we're adrift floating towards eternity. The drift. And he's warning them, you're like a vessel. God has thrown us an anchor in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Christ in chapter 6 is said to be an anchor within the veil up there. And the rope is faith. By faith, you need to lay hold of Christ the anchor because the currents are going to dash you to your death. McGee tells the story of a man fishing on the Niagara River, fell asleep while he was fishing, plunged to his death. It was quiet, no warnings, just a nice, cozy, 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 cozy ride on the boat and let the current do its work. Boom. Plunged to his death. And he's telling these listeners, listen, don't drift past Christ. Don't drift past this safe haven. Christ alone is the safety that will save you from divine judgment. Then he moves to his third warning, the danger of judgment. And it's an uh, argument from the lesser to the greater. And he begins to compare the law given by Moses, accompanied by angels, and how that even that law carried with it Judgment and penalties if you ignored it. You, you could not ignore it without severe consequences. And listen to what he says. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience 
received a just retribution. Even the law of Moses, even that which was accompanied by angels, you could not be trifial with it. You could not ignore it. Well, I'll do anything I want. Read the Ten Commandments. Out of nine of the Ten Commandments, a death penalty is assigned to every offense. I feel like breaking the Sabbath. Well, go right ahead. Nobody's going to do anything to me. Read Numbers 15. A boy got cold on the Sabbath, went out, began to gather some sticks just to build a fire, not do anything on me, just to build a fire. It gets cold in the desert, believe it or not, especially at night. And he's out there collecting the wood. They report it to Moses. Moses tells the elders, pick up stones and stone the boy. He's probably 12 years old. And they stone him in chapter 15. And right there in chapter 15, what he said, I want you to take all your robes and I want you to sew a band at the bottom of your robes, a blue ribbon. I want blue ribbon at the bottom of all your garments. Why? Why, Why do you change the dress code? Why do you need a blue ribbon? I want you to let that blue ribbon tell you every time your heart tells you to go against God's word, don't you do it. Don't you do it. Because we're going to stone a boy just for collecting wood on the Sabbath. That's pretty severe. Now he's saying, if God judged people who disobeyed the law, how much more will he judge people who ignore his message to us in Jesus Christ? And he gave two categories, transgressors. Transgressors are people who literally step across the line. Don't do it. Don't do it. I will do it. It's everything your children have defied you about. Don't do it. Boom. I've got my youngest granddaughter, and I told uh, Elizabeth, I'm going to teach her to obey while you're here. She just turned one yesterday. (laughs) Boom. Pull out the belt. Not really. She's precious. I could never do it. Her husband would kill me. But, but you say something, and whatever you say doesn't matter to a rebel. They're going to do it. They're going to step across. But then the word for disobedience. Here's an interesting thing about this word disobedience. Uh, the word literally means uh, uh, imperfect hearing. And uh, it's not just imperfect. It's the idea, this is the key concept, to disregard what you're saying. Kittle's lexicon says that. It's the idea that I'm not having hearing loss. It's not I have imperfect hearing. It's uh, a disobedience. I don't want to hear what you're saying. Have you ever said that to someone? I don't want to hear you. I don't want to hear you. And do you know what every man and woman is saying in this world? I either want to hear what you've got to say, God, or I don't want to hear you. And... Eternity rides on your response. Will you hear what he's saying to you in the sun? I love you. I want to talk to you. I want to reconcile you. I I want to make you my own. Uh, Let me tell you, beware, beware of all this Hollywood fiction in the name of Exodus and Noah. None of them portray God like he is. 
They're inventing the God of Hollywood. They've got an angry God. You've got distortions here, distortions there. Don't waste too much money trying to get the biblical narrative. Read the Bible to find out who he is. Don't let Hollywood, don't let Hollywood shape your mind or your children's mind of what this God's like. He is an angry God with sin. He's holy, but he's also loving. The same angry God is the God of Calvary, is the God of salvation, is the God that offers us an anchor in Christ, lest we drift to eternal ruin. And he says, you cannot treat lightly what God has to say. You can't just disregard it without serious consequences. So this is the message. Come to Christ. Yeah, what if I don't want to? Or be condemned. Or be lost. Well, who does God think he is? God, that's who he thinks he is. God is in charge. He, God hasn't bought postmodernism. God's not a postmodern God. He still believes in truth. He still believes in absolutes. And when he draws these boundaries, don't step across. If you do, I'll give you the penalty. Adam, listen to me. Listen to me. Don't eat the fruit of that tree. Oh, I, did, I choose to listen to another voice. That voice will damn you, kill you, and get you kicked out of this garden. And now we look on the whole human race, crumbling, falling, in pain. Someone has said it's as though creation was watching the wedding and they watched the groom and the bride die on the day of the wedding in the garden. They watched them drink to the marriage. And when they drank, they fell over dead in the garden. And the whole human race is dead and needs to hear the voice of God before they can ever come alive again. Do you hear what God is saying in Christ? The danger of not listening, the danger of drifting, the danger of judgment. We cannot, I don't hear you. I don't, there's one voice we must strive to Turn off TV. Quit texting. Quit all the. Take time every day to hear the voice of eternity talk to you. Why are you keeping track of all the trivia? And you have no time to hear the voice of eternity. God is talking today and through his son, through his word. He then finally says uh, the danger of neglecting what God has to say. How can you escape if you neglect? Notice, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Three things about this salvation. It was declared at first by the Lord Jesus. Two, it was attested to us, shows that the writer was not one of the first generation. It was attested to us by those who heard. So he, he was witnessed to by those who heard Jesus, the apostles. And then it was authenticated or borne witness to by signs and wonders and various miracles, not by gifts of the Holy Spirit. 
distributed according to his will. Read the book of Acts, and you'll see this marvelous display of power, healings, uh, people being raised from the dead, as it were. Eutychus falls out of the window. Paul goes down and prays for him, raises him up. Paul's bitten by a snake on the aisle, slings it into the fire. They wait for him to fall over dead. He doesn't. Even poisonous snakes cannot stop him. Prison doors are opened. Jailers are put to sleep. Angels are coming down and delivering Peter out of jail. Blind men are walking and seeing and over and over. Miracle, 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 miracle. Wonders, things out of the ordinary. What was God doing? He was authenticating this great salvation that the Lord Jesus came and brought and offered to us. And he asked the question, how do you ever expect to escape if you neglect this salvation? Neglect. It's quite a word, isn't it? You know what? Why didn't he use this word? How shall you escape so great a salvation if you reject it? Shouldn't he have said reject? But he says neglect. You just neglect, and you know, it's, it's this idea, you heard it, you saw all this evidence, you've been touched, but not changed, you, you've been moved, you've been around it, but you just neglected it, neglected it. It's like uh, ignoring that red light on your dash engine, and you just say, I think I can go another 5,000 miles with the red light on. I don't have time to put oil into an engine. I'm very important, you know. My schedule is critical. Guess what? It's called burning up your motor. A woman was sharing with her pastor that she's having a lot of pain in her hip, went to the doctor, he diagnosed her with cancer. She kept being the secretary, had no time to mess with doctors, so they buried her. I had an uncle die the same way. He neglected medical help, neglected, neglected, neglected. Then it was too late. Neglect is such an easy way to go to hell. It just... Uh, I was just reading a thing on, if anyone can say no to the salesman, if you can just get outside the sales office, you're nearly home safe. Anybody ever went to a timeshare? Yeah, yeah. I, I've got some nightmares from timeshares. And, and, and Carol and I, we got this thing like this. Uh, at first, you know, we thought we just might sign up, whatever. And after enough, we'd say this. And the last time we saw one, she nearly, she's nearly signing up. I think, woman, are you married to me? I thought it was just too good to be true. And, but we always say we don't make any immediate big-time, you know, economic decision without 24 hours of prayer and speeding out of town, something like that. But. Uh, but we just know, and, and the toughest are the women salesmen. Don't mess with the women salesmen. They are hard sell. And uh, last time, we were up at Tahoe, 
And all they were selling us. Oh, man. And Carolyn, she's just like this. Where's the pen? Uh, Carolyn. No, we don't. No, Carolyn. <laughs> Let us go out of here and talk. I know if I can get out of the office, I'm home safe. Uh, but, I mean, we had a woman in uh, Tennessee. Oh, my land. I, I thought I was going to have to call security to get her off our case. She was incredibly aggressive and intimidating. Bye, 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 bye. The best thing to do is just to neglect. If I could just coast by the harbor, I've got it made. And you see, the only thing you need to do to spend eternity without Christ is do nothing. Do nothing. Just float. Just drift. Just neglect. It's easy to go to hell. It's the easiest thing you can do. Do nothing and you'll be lost. Do nothing and you'll never know Christ. Do nothing. Let the good times roll, honey. Maybe go out high. It's easy to be lost. But to be saved, you'll have to anchor your soul in Christ and cling to him and quit neglecting your soul and quit neglecting this great salvation. I, Xerox's song, when I was 19 years old, I was in a little Bible institute, and the president's wife led a student choir. I was in that choir, taken by faith. And she taught us this song. It's the first time I've thought about it in nearly 50 years. It goes this way. Where your anchor hold in the storms of life, when the clouds unfold their wings of strife, when the strong tides lift and the cables strain, will your anchor drift or firm remain? We have an anchor, this is the refrain, that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded, firm, and deep in the Savior's love. It is safely moored, twill the storm withstand, for tis well secured by the Savior's hand. Though the tempest rage and the wild winds blow, not an angry wave shall our bark overflow. We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll, fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. If my audience here today was this Hebrew audience, there were people that heard this letter that were thinking about Christ, and some were divided about going back to Judaism. Some were nominal. They had professed Christ. They knew the description of him in chapter 1. But they had never by faith anchored their soul in Christ. I take you, Christ. I believe you are God's message, God's vehicle of being saved. I take you. I'm not passive. I'm not drifting. I'm not neglecting. I take you. The currents are sweeping me away unless, unless I'm anchored to you.
What anchor do you have for your soul? All the currents of our day, the currents of change, the currents of time. Some of you have heard it a thousand times, and you're still drifting. You're still neglecting. You still won't commit. Tell me, tell me another sermon. You don't need another sermon. You need to make a decision. Will you anchor in Christ or will you drift into eternity? It's that clear. If you don't like decisional preaching, too bad. God does. You've got to make a decision. You will either drift or you will decide on Christ. Who, who, who is the anchor of your soul? In him, we used to sing, I've anchored in the haven of rest. The wild seas, I'll sail no more. Christ is that haven, and he's telling them, anchor yourselves in him. Don't drift by. Don't neglect this great salvation. For if you couldn't escape judgment under Moses, surely God won't let you escape judgment if you won't hear his son. It's his last and final word. Our Father, we thank you for your great, great word to us in Jesus that God so loved that he gave a begotten son, only begotten son, to die for us, to offer us the gift of eternal life. I pray, Lord, if there's anyone here who has never by faith received Christ, you said to as many as receive Christ, even to those who believe on his name, you would save, you would deliver them, from judgment, and give them eternal life. I ask you, Father, deliver from the danger of not listening, the danger of drifting, the danger of judgment, and the danger of neglect. All deliver us out of danger and make us secure in Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.